I thought you meant going to going to where they are and putting a rope around them and tying them up and no, dragging them. No, dear Lord, back. please, let's not I start invading that. homes. I, I, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. Everybody, welcome to the show. I am your host, Josh Givens, here as always with my father, 614 Ministries Executive Director, Pastor Stan Givens. Stan Givens. Dad, thanks for being here. You're welcome, Joshua. All right, so as we slowly but surely emerge from the quarantine regulations stemming from COVID, we are starting to see some churches looking at reopening for physical gatherings and being able to do a lot more than just like drive-in services. Oh my gosh. Stuff like that, which we had one of those. Yes. And all of this that we've been through since late March has certainly had an impact. And many are saying that it's forever going to change the landscape of the church. Mm. So, Dad, you've got here a list of nine potential effects that you see happening. Effects. Not right. effects. Not affects. Effects with an E. What's an affect? You're the, you're the English guy. Hey, don't put me on the spot like okay. that. I don't e- like that. Yeah, we need an effect. I don't like that at all. These are effects, not affects. It, it will affect us. But these are generalized effects. I'm just going to let you sit over there and let yourself look silly. So, I mean, that's all good with me. No uh, problem. Yeah, so I'm these just, are the effects of COVID on local churches. Yes. The these e- are the ways I see it impacting a local church. How about that? Hey, that's a great definition. I'll, I'll go. go with that. So let's go through these. And I've got some thoughts on them that we'll just banter about for a little bit here. The first one being people may have, <laughs> this is just classic classic wording people may have become apathetic hmm, you think or indifferent you think right in our culture that's a shocker yeah it doesn't surprise me at all but but as a church you have these fringe families you have uh, t- uh people that have been maybe just recently started attending we did we had a couple of when you, when you say fringe family, they're tell, sit, they're tell me sit, what you mean by that. They're sitting on the edge of the church. They don't okay. really ever participate yeah, in that Because that's a term that a lot of people probably aren't familiar that's a with. Good, that's good. That, these are families that don't ever really connect with the deeper level of the church life. They may, they probably aren't in a small group. They may or may not come to dinner on the ground. They mm-hmm. just kind of pop in. They hang out and they back away. Um, so they're never really engaged, but but they're sort of loyal to their lack of engagement. Okay, so yeah. they're 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 kind of the every now and then folks. Well, no, they're regular, but they're they're fringe. They're not really up in the middle of what you're doing. Okay, uh, but they're they're okay with hanging out with you. Okay, uh, but they may not come to dinner. What about have, what about like spiritual growth wise? Hard to know because you don't yeah, know because you don't actually see them. Yeah, because <laughs> they're you, not I mean, actually there. You assume they're at least being fed on Sunday, but yeah. again, the Sunday service isn't the great feeding. So. That makes so, sense. Yeah, and then you have the new ones. We just had yep. some people just start attending when we shut down the actual opportunity to attend, and uh, we've tried to stay connected with them. I actually, you know, have invited them to Zoom meetings on Wednesdays when we do our Wednesday Bible study, so they would feel connected with other church members. But 
people that have no connection or real commitment to the church, I think the the pastor of the church and a couple of his helpers are going to have to be reconnecting with them. Personal visits in the home may be necessary. Definitely some phone calls, uh, you know, some opportunities. If your local restaurants are starting to open up, maybe do a little coffee shop deal with them and say, hey, you know, just want to check on you, make sure you're okay. So Right. And I think, too, one one thought that I was having here was coming out of COVID and, and with the effects that COVID has had on the church with everything going digital and a lot of people, my generation especially, thinking that digital church is church. It's number four. Yeah. Yeah. It's number <laughs> right, four. Right. It's, yeah. it's, we're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. I, I think that one thing we're going to have to do as church communicators, and I speak to all my church comms people out there, is keep utilizing the digital and social media world, but do it in a way that will engage them to persuade and convince them to want to attend in person. Yeah, physically attend the service. Yes, so that yeah. they will want to physically attend your building and come and be in, participate in small groups and all that kind of stuff. That's something that just has to get done. Right. And there's there's just no way around that. When, change your strategy on your social media to make your church look like the kind of place that they actually want to be, not just the place that they kind of mm-hmm. want to participate mm-hmm. with online. That's good. All right. Uh, let's see here. Going through our list. You want to jump down to number four? Nah, let's, let's go to number two. Okay. Many people have decided now to trust the government in deeper and more impactful ways. What exactly do you mean by that? I just see an inherent danger in all this, and I'm not trying to be some philosophical... I'm not a deep thinker. I'm a C minus student. And Amen C- to that. C- <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and C minus means I'm better than some and not as good as others. But but there is there is an inherent danger in believing the government always has our best interests at hand. And when this pandemic hit, everybody was so the the hype was so high, and the danger seemed so great that we're we're tuning in every second of the day to catch what the government's telling us we need to be doing. Right. And so I think we've gotten a little hooked on that. And I kind of go back to president Reagan's old line, you know, when the guy comes to your door and says, Hey, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You might want to rethink how that's going to go. So <laughs> that's not always um, true. <laughs> it's just not always true. So, um, you know, then you have, you have people that, you know, the government is this high authority source. It's really the highest in the land other than, you know, sadly our, even our church members don't remember that the body of Christ and the church has this very high authority. Right, right. And we sit under the highest of all authorities. But but we see the government as this real high authority, and it's going to fail people, and they're going to need somebody to trust. When the government fails at, at some of this or all of this, if we find out there's, we were just having a little offline discussion a minute ago about possible conspiracies behind all this. If we find out there's some, you know, underhanded, sneaky, bad stuff happening behind all this pandemic and especially the exit of it, it it's going to freak our people out because they've been, I think, yeah, our more, people more been, than they already are. I think our people have been depending on the government for their help and advice. And so I think the church is probably going to need to think about the effects of what happens when a big authority figure in somebody's life is untrustworthy. See, the church is an authority figure. So when when if the government gets a bad rap, we may fall with them in that person's eyes. Um, and uh, so, but when Jesus taught at, in Scripture, the Bible says when Jesus taught, he taught as one who had authority, not like the teachers of the law. Well, the teachers of the law to the Hebrew group 
was was the highest authority they were. They were incredible people of wisdom and authority. Right. But when Jesus, the common man carpenter, taught, he <laughs> taught with an authority that had an understanding where people lived. Absolutely. And I think as pastors, we're going to have to let everybody know we know right where you are. We understand your anxieties. We understand your fears. And we understand the scriptures and how to apply them to what you're going through. I really think that's going to be some effects coming out of this. Definitely. And, and Definitely. of course that leads us to number three. Yeah. Which is many Americans are living in fear and anxiety levels are at an all time high. And, and I think this has definitely been true. I know that I've personally had to break away from a lot of news consumption, which is weird for me because I'm kind of a news junkie. I'm, mm-hmm. I majored in broadcast journalism back in college and but with the anxiety that I battle because of my epilepsy condition, I've really had to take a break from it with everything going on with COVID. Yeah, there's no reason to get anxious about I, it. I had to just completely break away from it and say, I, I just need to concentrate on the stuff that I'm working on, the stuff that I'm doing. What advice would you give as a seasoned pastor and counselor for folks that are struggling with intense anxiety? Well, I don't know. Some Most of you hopefully are, are you know out and about here and there. And, you know, when I'm, you know, at Lowe's, which allows, you know, a million people in it every <laughs> right. day. It's still, still not clear on how Lo- that's working. Lowe's is definitely not shut down. Unbelievable how that works. But I'm amazed at how many people looking into their eyes, and I'm not a great body language reader, but you can look in somebody's eyes and tell when they're anxious. Oh, yeah, you can just tell. And I can tell when they don't care. There's a bunch of good old boys at Lowe's or, you know, like me, just, just wandering around going, what the world in, going Indifferent. On? <laughs> yeah, they don't. But there are a bunch of people very concerned. And you can see when you're moving down an aisle, when you and I go to Winn-Dixie to get oh, our groceries yeah. and you move down an aisle and there's somebody down the aisle looking at you like, what do we do? What do we do? Yep. We're going to get close to each other. Oh, no, we're going to get close. Yep. yep. And there's that panic. Yeah, social distancing and, and all and that. And the two of you aren't wearing masks. Oh, no. Oh, my you gosh. Know, are you going to kill us? Are we going to kill you? What's going to happen? So, <laughs> so there's this. I just see a lot more anxiety in people now. And I think the media's done a great job of convincing us that oh, we're, yeah. we're all likely to die. Oh, yeah. Everybody's going to die. But here's what you asked me what I would recommend. I want to encourage everybody to start doing your math. Start doing the homework. Here's what the news reports regularly. And they do it They do it every day. They, they report how many new cases have been found right. in a city, state, or nation. Please, when they tell you that, don't care about that number unless you're willing to go research how many people have been tested. Right. Because if 5,000 people were tested and they have 400 new cases, it's not a high percentage. Exactly. You know, 40. (laughs) But they'll go, we had, you know, 400 new cases in the state of Alabama this last week. But how many did you test? You yeah. don't ever tell us that. So 12,000. <laughs> yeah, if you tested 400 people and 400 people got, you know, were positive, now we got an issue. Right. That's everybody you're testing. But if you're testing way more people than that and only a small percentage, in the state of Alabama, it's 0.06. Yeah. You know, yep. it's less than a half a percent almost uh, of people tested have it. And then the percentage of deaths is way lower than that. Right. So, but the but the media loves the big number and the chill factor. They love well, the, it. It sells. Yeah. yeah they, they love the yeah, freak factor. Yeah. Being, so being having been in that stop myself. Getting yeah. anxious over case numbers. <laughs> it sells. <laughs> um, it's not an indicator. It's oh, just yeah. not an indicator. Exactly. And I'm begging our church families and our people that may listen to this, pastors. You know, instruct your people. Tell your elders to tell their people. Take a break from the news. Yeah. To, yeah. 
yeah, that's Please take really coming up in the next one. But <laughs> but you got to be careful how you how you interpret the numbers they're giving you. They're not giving you numbers uh, that that help you calm down. They're giving you numbers to create anxiety, so you watch them. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Exactly. I'm going to have to watch. If I think I'm going to die, I'm going to have to watch. Sure, sure. But if it, but if you know, I mean the the drunk driving numbers in the state of Alabama are are, are higher than what we're experiencing oh, yeah. in some of this. For sure, for sure. So it, it's not worth freaking out over. Yeah. Not worth freaking out over. Number four here, millennials may be out of routine and very much into social distancing. Oh, my Lord. Uh, how can Don't we, even get me started. How can we as the church kind of reach back out to millennials, me being a millennial myself, and kind of get them plugged back into church and small groups? Well, what, the, are, what the, are some practical outreach ideas? Yeah, the nerd world and the, you know. I'm I trying mean, not to be offended here. I understand, <laughs> but, but millennials think it's nirvana to get to stay home and sit on your couch and do next to nothing all week long. Right. And, and the government send you money to do that's even better, right? Right. So, so I, think, I think we're at a unique place. Um, where as a church, we're probably going to have to start addressing that because we actually just taught them you can stay home and watch church. Right. And, oh, uh, yeah. But it's not the same as being plugged into church. It's not the same as being involved in a small group. It's not the same as attending physically a church building and and, and seeing people raise their hands when they praise and, yep. and experiencing real worship. So we're going to have to get the millennials out of the house, you know. <laughs> Do you think that some of that may be like going to them, going meeting them where they are, and and in in the community at, at like an event or something like that, and then you know using that event for them to be then be attracted to coming the idea of coming to your church. I understand what you're saying. I, I think we're just gonna have to get creative. I think yeah, we're gonna yeah. have to Big really. Time. And we're going to have to come up with ways, and social media may be one of those places since they pay a lot of attention to that. That's where they're hanging out. Where, where, you're, where you start teaching them the importance of getting into the deal. So. Exactly. Speaking of social media, that's number five, is that social media has kind of been on overload for a lot of us. So you're recommending like a fast from social media. I just think I think it needs to be something we monitor, and I, and we can just almost leave it at that. But I, I, think, I think families need to check off how much time are they spending in social media. I say all that, you know, between six and seven in the morning, I'll put a video out, uh, my daily devotion on Facebook that right. I started doing. So I, I want people to watch that if it helps them, but I also want people to fast from that if they don't need social media for a while, right. especially because social, there's a lot of unhealthy, especially stuff if social media. media is just, I'm on there to, uh, to kind of figure out, you know, what's really happening with all this. And it's raising my anxiety level. What we talked about a few minutes ago, my right. anxiety level is going up by watching all these crazy posts and, Conspiracy theories or whatever, um, or watching these big cities go through all their crisis. Yeah, and that kind of leads into the the number six here, which is that news feeds are on overload as well. And we kind of touched on that a little bit a minute ago. Is that people may need to take a little bit of time off from the news. Yeah, the news is going to do anything they can to get your viewership. I, I've just learned that it's real journalism. It's all which, about ratings. Yeah, real journalism, which you are the journalist in the room, so all you about, know this. All about ratings. It, it, it's a dying <laughs> art. There's nobody really trying to give us the whole picture and truth and understanding. Yep. They're just trying to get our attention so that we will watch their deal and get their viewership up. And and when, when we do that, it gets their ratings up. And so their accurate reporting goes right out the window. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I, I just, you know, it wouldn't hurt for you to search for better news medias. Uh, but you know, they're sensationalizing a lot of this. I think not oh, that yeah. it's not that it's not serious. I'm not saying it's not serious. You know, it's a pandemic for gosh sakes. 
You know, it's a, it's a flu bug that went around the world and made a lot of people sick and a lot of people die. But numerically, when you compare it to a lot of the other flu bugs that go around. Yep. And a lot of the things that have happened in, you know, global history. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So number seven here on our list, budget for a number of smaller churches have, have taken a big dip. And this is kind of like a financial thing. Yeah, with with everybody taking time away from its sanctuary, I've talked to a number of pastors who whose income, their church income, has dropped. The, right. the giving for the church is down. So, the finance committee, the board or elders are going to have to get pretty creative with their finances. They may need to may need to get a local church, a larger local church that's hang, hanging on through this somebody in your denomination and you just may need to reach out to them as a small church and say, we really took a financial hit here and our, oh, yeah. our power bills, you know, way more than we're going to be able to pay this month. Right. Would you, you guys be willing to help us with our power bill? I don't think one church going to another church and asking for that's a bad idea at all. No, sure. Um, yeah. And and may not even be in your denomination. It may just be somebody you know down the road. Yeah, you know, don't you, don't think that it's you know, beneath you. The, you know, the, you know the, the church pastor, helping yeah. the church is what it's all about. If you know the pastor of the big church and your church is struggling budget wise, yeah, um, you I'm, may need to ask to tell your church families what you're up against and ask them to give. You know, to yeah. a higher a, a bigger vision moment, whatever. And, I, and I'll just say too, from a from a digital standpoint, um, just just because this this came to my mind um, thinking through this a little bit is kind of make sure that you're especially if you're a smaller church if you don't have a way to give online reach out to us we can help you set something like that up um if you you know need to have a convenient online giving option through your website um or even just on another platform something that'll work for your church there's a lot of options out there depending on what you're eligible for and what your budget is like and then also remind families that they can mail checks into the church i I know a lot of churches probably aren't thinking about that or doing that, but use your social media and your website to remind them, Hey, well, even, and here's, even if you're not here, you can yeah. still mail your check in. I brought a check today from somebody in a, in a tithing envelope that mailed it to my house. Right. <laughs> because she senior citizen, sweet lady at our church, been here for years. She was afraid that we weren't coming by and checking our mail here regularly because right. we're closed. Sort yeah, of whatever unquote. that means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't close the church by the way, cause it's the people, not the building, but but the church is closed, so she was afraid to leave it, you know, send it to a mailbox and might not get checked. So she sent it to my house. So sure, yeah. I'm not, not recommending that anyway at all. I hate handling money, but <laughs> yeah. it was in a sealed tile envelope, which I gave to our and those, financial man this morning. Those so. other giving options are, are really critical, I think, during mm-hmm. this time. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, if, if you need help setting up anything digitally, definitely shoot us a message and, and we'll help you uh, right. in that area. And then number eight on the list here, some classes and groups may be offline or down. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, we've had a senior citizen Sunday school class that hasn't met the the group uh, really as a whole, didn't want to do a Zoom, Zoom meeting or any kind of offline meeting. Um, so so they haven't met um, for this entire time since March. Was that you know, wow. two, two months? So. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, so... Um, so, and if there's small groups like our men's men's ministry group or your ladies group, or maybe a prayer group that normally met is not been meeting, you know, youth or kids groups or whatever, it's just important that you get them back in the routine. What are some good ways to reboot them once they can come back? Well, I think you have to talk to the leaders of those groups and say, what, what can we do? How can we help you do this? Right. And if, if we need to, you know, create more space for you, if we need to give you a different, time slot for a little bit to make it happen, whatever helps. Uh, 
but I, I think churches should be thinking through the effect of being down for the couple of months we've been down now is that some of those classes may have just may be accidentally disbanded or disconnected and you got to bring them back online now. Yeah, for sure. If they were healthy classes, especially now, you know, if you're at a church where you go, Hey, that group was not healthy at all. Praise God. It's gone. <laughs> right. And then leave it where it is. So. Uh, we're so grateful that that yeah. class is no longer with us. And then number nine, finally on the list here is attendance may be off for a while. And if you're a numbers guy, this is obviously going to bother you, right? Yeah. If you're a small church pastor, that's counting your numbers, counting your chickens every week and, you know, trying to figure out where everybody is and, and, and you're, especially if you're dr- letting that drive how you feel about yourself and or the church, yeah, that's you're going to have to take a chill pill. That's just a bad yeah, idea. <laughs> yeah. You really need to take, what, what is the, uh, the oils that mom gives to help you relax? Peace, oh man. Peace and calm. Peace, some peace and calming. Yeah. Essential it's oil. Just a peace and calm, essential <laughs> oil and relax. Um, because effective ministry is more than numbers and, uh, you got to relax and trust God. Don't let the numbers be the issue for you. Let your ministry's effectiveness be the issue and evaluate what you can do to take the people you have and bring them to the next level of their spiritual growth. So I just want to encourage pastors to relax about the numbers for a little bit. You know, now you obviously got budget issues. You obviously got all kinds of stuff. So you can pray through all of that. But at the end of the day, don't let it don't let it give you a black eye. Uh, with your self-esteem you know the lord called you to ministry he planned the pandemic he knew it was coming Um, he needed your church to be stretched and grow through that so let's let that be what happens yeah definitely that's all really good advice all right well thanks for listening to this episode of rescuing churches guys we hope that you all found it inspiring encouraging and helpful and we'll see you on the other side